morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, you ready? I'm going to tell you one thing today, okay? You ready? One thing, we can talk about one thing, and that's it. Get in a group, right? Get in a group. Like, that's the most simple way to say it. I'm going to say it over and over. I want us to all say it together. One, two, three. Get in a group. And I'm going to talk to you about the value of it and why you should, because you may be thinking, hey, why would I do that? I don't really know. I don't really care about people. I don't even like people. And so that's fine. Join the club. I don't like people either. Um, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, hey, it, you know, one of the songs that we just sang, Another in the Fire, has a really cool story behind it. You like that song, by the way? Didn't they just crush that? What in the world? And so there's this story in the Bible about these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And so these guys um, were in Babylon, and the king said, you have to bow to me. And they're like, we're not bowing to you. We have this other God we serve. We're not bowing to you. Like, if you don't bow, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. I'm like, we don't care. Like, we're, we don't care. We're, we're not bowing. And so they bring him to the fiery furnace. And, and, and I wonder what that would have looked like. Because they got in the fiery furnace. What would that have looked like if it was just one of them? Like, who went first? Who do you think went first? Shadrach? Like, I'm always the first. Like, you go first one time. I'm not going first. Like, what if they'd have been alone? Would they have had the strength to go in? Maybe not. Like, what would, what would history have looked like differently if they hadn't have been together to go in the furnace? I can only imagine, like, if they don't go in this furnace, listen, Israel loses everything, don't they? Like, they have no God to worship. Man, they have no history. There's no faithfulness of God. And my word, they would have no worship song written about them at the end. Like, the history turned on their courage together because they weren't alone. And I think all of us have had this experience where we did something because somebody was with us, right? Like we did something because somebody lifted us up, because some, somebody encouraged us, because somebody came alongside us and said, hey, let's do this together. And the reality is we fight for relationship. We fight for relationship because relationship teaches you to fight, right? You fight for relationship because relationship teaches you to fight. And this is just one of the fundamentals of life that we all need to understand. You know, Jesus called this thing like the great commandment. In the book of Luke, Jesus is teaching, and uh, this, guy, this uh, lawyer comes up to him and says, hey, I'm going to put, he wants to ask him a question to put him to the test. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Like, this is the magic question. Like, everybody wants to know, what do I need to do to have this e live in eternity, right? What, what do I do to be sure this isn't, isn't all there is? Or what do I do to be sure I don't go to hell? Like, what, how can I be sure of that? And Jesus answered him. He says, what's written in the law? And the lawyer said this. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes, if I'm honest, my neighbor makes me lose my mind. What about you? And then he goes on to say, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. So, so he boils it down really clearly to two things, love God and love people, right? Love God and love people. And, and to live in relationship with God first, man, it's, it's hard work. Anybody agree with that? Right? Living in relationship with God can be, can be a struggle. Sometimes we think that, oh yeah, he's God and he's nice and he's, he's going to give me everything I need to be able to, my life to be easier. The problem with that is just the Bible, Right? Like when we read the Bible, think about people like this guy named Jacob. It says he wrestled with God. And sometimes the relationship with God can feel like that. There's David who stood before this giant named Goliath, not sure how he was going to fight him. He, all he has is a slingshot. Like I'm questioning God in that moment, aren't you? God, do you really know what you're doing here? All I've got is a slingshot, and this dude is big. Man, there's guys like Moses who God calls to lead three million complaining Jews out of the nation of Egypt. 
Sometimes our relationship with God can be a little bit of a struggle. Hey, but it's always worth it, isn't it? It's always what's best for us. It always paves the way into our future. And then he tells us to love people. He tells us to love people. Now, I don't know about you, but have you noticed this? People can be hard to love. Have you noticed this? You know what? You are hard to love. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are hard to love. Now tell them why. Now tell them why. Right? People are hard to love. And, and some of us, some of us are, are a little more task-driven. Some of us are a little more task-driven. Any task-driven people in the house today? Right? Like task-driven. Like if we're doing something and you get hurt, I'll be like, we'll put a Band-Aid on it later. Let's finish. Like, let's get on with this. We got things to do. Like, and how many of you are people-driven? You're more people-centered? You know what? What I've noticed about people-centered people is they don't like to call attention to themselves, so they kind of raise their hand like this, right? Because they don't want to call themselves out. Listen, people-centered people, you know the problem with you? You never get anything done. But we know that, man, a relationship with God becomes real through our relationship with other people, doesn't it? A relationship with God becomes real through a relationship with other people. The way that people will know that Christianity is true is by how we show them who God is in our relationships. Man, and we live in a world that's screaming, show me that it's real, show me that it's true. I believe Christianity is judgmental and harsh and void of love. But how we live towards people and how we live with people is going to show people that Christianity is true. And oh my goodness, Christianity is real. So what do you need to do in light of that? Get in a group. Get in a group. Now, one of the ways we're going to look at this today is is in the book of Hebrews. So go ahead and grab your Bible today. Grab your Bible, and we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have a paperback you can take. Also, you can go to our app or any Bible app and go to Hebrews chapter 10. And just to kind of help us to look through what's the practicality of this, and why does this really matter? Why did God wire us this way, and what is it that's going to matter to me, and how's my life going to be better, and how's my life going to be different? How is this not going to be just another chore, just something else to take up my time, and something else to It's just going to frustrate me. Like, how is this going to work? And so in Hebrews chapter 10, as we get to the passage, what has been written just before it is just the majesty of who Jesus is. Just this reality that he is greater than angels. He is greater than Moses. That he stands as a mediator in the gap between all of us. And and, and he is the one who bridges us to God. He is the mediator. And now he's going to move from information to application. Okay? So he's going to move it from talking about who Jesus is to like, how do we actually live this out? So in chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay? So the first thing we see, he's talking about meeting together and encouraging each other and spurring one another on, but he starts out with this phrase, let us consider. Let us consider. And what he means by that is just put your eyes on it. It means to focus your attention on it. It means to make it a priority is what he's saying. So we need to make it a priority to, to meet together, to be around other people, because it's, it's that important, that it needs to be at the top of the list. You know, we have a lot of priorities in life, and, and what, what can happen is some of the things that become priorities without attention, they kind of fall down the list, don't they? How many of you guys have been through uh, maybe Dave Ramsey and you created a budget through Dave Ramsey? You know kind of what he talks about when he talks about a budget. How many of you don't know what a budget is and wish you had one? You need to get in financial peace. 
Get in a group. It will save your life. But most of us have at least attempted to, to create a budget. And what happens after a couple of months? There's that unexpected expense. There's that thing I really wanted and I don't want to wait for it. And our budget tends to just get blown up if we don't get back to the basics, back to the fundamentals, get back to what is going to help us to move forward. Man, this happens around the new year when we make these resolutions and these decisions that we're going to eat better. How, how long does that last? Till that chocolate chip cookie shows up in your kitchen? And we have to reorient around the basics. Man, we tend to, our, the basics tend to erode in our life. And this is where I think it's important. It's because we have to fight for this to happen. There's so much vying for our attention, so much vying for our time, that we are going to have to fight to be able to stay in relationship with each other to make this happen. And there's so much that we have to fight against, right? It's easy for this to fall to the bottom of the list. You know, if any of you have ever been in a group, if you ever maybe planned to go to a group and all of a sudden something came up, you're like, can't make it tonight. Something came up. Some priority came up. Something more important came up. Some distraction came up. So you're going to have to fight against busyness. You know what you have to fight against too? Traffic. <laughs> you got to fight against traffic to be in a group because it's going to take some time to drive there. It's going to take some time to get where you need to go. You need to plan for that. We have to fight against traffic. We have to fight against entertainment. We have so many options. Have you noticed this? We have so many options to do so many other things from Netflix to Prime Video to Atlanta Sports to the Fox Theater, whatever it may be. We have to fight so much. And listen, I can, I can guarantee you this, guarantee you this, that watching Brad Pitt in his next movie is not going to change your life nearly as much as get in a group, right? So you know what you should do instead of watching Brad Pitt? You should get in a group, right? Get in a group. A group is better than Brad Pitt. I'm just saying so he says, let us consider. We've got to have some intentionality around it. We've got to focus on it. But, and one of, the, one of the things that we say around here, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You need other people in your life to help move you down the field just a little bit. And you need to be in somebody's life so you can help move them down the field. Uh, he goes on in Hebrews 10. Let's highlight this next piece of it. He says, don't neglect to meet together, right? Just to be in proximity with each other. Now, in the Bible, the language for friendship is the language of face-to-face. -face. You know, for a lot of us, we, the language of friendship is the language of, uh, you know, Facebook to Facebook. You know what I'm saying? It's not Facebook to Facebook. It is face-to-face. -face. And, and we've been lulled to sleep with this idea that relationships can happen long distance. Like, how many of you have, uh, on your Facebook account, how many of you have people that are your friends that you don't even know who they are? Right? We, we, have, we don't even know who they are. And I'm not saying that's bad because you've got lots of influence with them because I know you always post about Jesus on your account and they're learning all about Jesus because of you. Right? Man, we, and we get lulled to sleep into thinking that that is what is important, that that is what matters. And the reality is we need friends in our life. It makes us better people. And we need friends. That's how we've been wired and created. And he's like, hey, you can't neglect that. You can't not do this thing where you get together with other people who are following Jesus and have the same goals, the same dreams, the same ideas about their future. You know, TV shows that are really popular generally involve a group of friends together. Anybody remember Cheers? Norm. What about Friends? Right? There you go, some friends. Was that popular? I don't remember. Oh, it was. What about, uh, what about The Office? You love The Office? Come on. It's because it's the same group of people. They're funny together, and they are highly dysfunctional, but they're friends. 
their friends. And, and we know that, and we, we're drawn to that because there's something in our soul that desperately wants that in our life. Man, we want friends. You remember as a little kid, maybe you did this. Little kids will do this. They'll walk up to you and say, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? Man, then we get to be older, and that feels awkward, and we're not sure what they'll say, and we're concerned that they would say no because we've maybe been rejected at times. And so we lose this boldness to step into friendship. And he says, don't neglect it. Don't neglect meeting together as some people have done. You know, the American Medical Association uh, did a study, and they found all the health benefits of friendship. So, so what if I told you I could sell you a pill, and that pill would, number one, it would keep you out of the hospital, and if you did go into the hospital, you'd get out quicker. It would help relieve your stress level. It would help you actually lose weight. And you would sleep better. Now, if I told you that there was a pill that you could take that and there were no side effects, you'd be like, I'm in. How much is it? Not a question of if you want, it's how much does it cost? And the truth is, all of those happen when we have healthy relationships with people. Like the antidote to a lot of our problems is just having somebody you can call when you need something or when you want to celebrate something. It's just friendship. So you, you know what you need to do? You need to get in a group. You need to get in a group. You know, there's, a, there's something that's been labeled as an epidemic in our country that is the flip side of that, and it's called loneliness. Loneliness. It's been literally labeled as an epidemic. Over half of Americans say that they experience loneliness every week. Uh, loneliness, uh, the, the, uh, the health, uh, adverse health effects that we experience from loneliness are the same as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, according to AMA. Loneliness registers in your brain the same way as pain does. So think about this. You can either get in a group or hit yourself in the face with a hammer. So, Because this is literally the effect. That it says, Has any of you ever been lonely? You ever woke up in the morning and just wish you had somebody to call? Somebody who was expecting you, waiting on you? You ever been sitting down maybe watching television just thinking, man, I'm all by myself? You know, you may be in a room today, in this room today thinking, I got nobody I can count on. I got nobody I can call when I got that promotion. I got nobody to lean on and cry with when I got that cancer diagnosis. We don't have to live and loneliness. We don't have to live without people around us. And we don't have to live with people who can't pick us up and spur us on and encourage us. We don't have to live that way. But when we do, what happens? When we neglect that, it's fatal for our faith. Neglecting friendship is fatal for your faith. Because you begin to believe that you are all by yourself. That there's nobody that you can count on. There's nobody that you can reach out to. And the reality is that God has created us as social creatures so that we don't have to experience loneliness. Listen, what if you knew that your neighbor was experiencing the epidemic of many Americans of loneliness? Would you want to step in and help them? Would you want to step in and pick them up and say, you are not by yourself? That's what it's going to take a fight. It's going to take some effort and some energy for us to be able to do that. You know, Mother Teresa has a great quote about loneliness. She said this, the worst disease in today's world is not leprosy or cancer. It is the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, of being deserted and alone. Worst disease. And it's the easiest to overcome. It has the easy antidote for us. 
So the writer of Hebrews says, don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. And then he also uses this phrase in Hebrews 10, 24. He says, encourage one another. Like, don't you like people who are encouraging? People who just kind of pick you up, tell you how awesome you are, tell you how good you look. Like, you must have lost weight. Like, you look fantastic. There was a lady once, and I was trying to encourage her, and she had, uh, she had just kind of been struggling with cancer. And I said, you look amazing, because she'd been struggling through chemo. And she said, well, there's never been anything wrong with my looks. I said, well, you look as horrible as you always have. So now I say, you look like you feel good. Um, but encur- we love people who encourage us. Now, the word encourage literally means to call alongside. Okay, make a call alongside. You have to be in proximity with each other to do that. So we have to be connected with each other. Now, here's the beauty of that is when you have someone in your life who knows you, knows your future, knows your dreams, understands your struggles, knows your fears, knows your relationships, knows where you've been. Man, when they are, they can customize their encouragement for you. Notice this. Now, I love things that are customized. There's a, um, in, in our culture today, man, there's so many things that are becoming customized for us. We can get customized clothes fairly easily. There's this thing called Amazon Prime wardrobe. Anybody get that? Come on. Yep. What about Stitch Fix? Anybody do Stitch Fix? Like there's a handful of these out there. And here's how it works for those of you who need it. Um, here's how it works. So you go online and you pick out kind of what you like and what size you are and what, what, what your closet needs and the, you know, what you need for work and what you need to play in and all those kind of things. And the guys, if you're smart, you'll let your wives do that part. But you go through and you kind of pick out what you want. They send you a box of clothes. And you go through and you try them on and you figure it out. And do you want them or not? And if you don't want them, you just put them in a the mailbox in a bag and you send them back. And then you go through and say, here's why I didn't want them. It didn't fit. It wasn't the right color. I've got too many of these. And so the next time you get a box, guess what? It's more customized for you. Right, They go through and they figure it out. So eventually you just get the things that you need and the things that fit you like they need to fit. It is customized. And here's the thing. If, I, if someone's going to speak into my life and encourage me, man, I want it to be customized. Man, I want it to be for me, not just general. I want it to be specific. And I want to, to know who I am and to be able to speak into me. Now, now when, you, when you come alongside to encourage someone, it's not, it, it, it requires two different components. It requires support, right? Positivity. Love, and it also requires challenge. Because here's the thing. If you're just friendly, but you never challenge anybody, you're not a friend. As the old saying goes, a friend stabs you in the front. Right? If you're just friendly, that's fine. You should be friendly. But you're really not experiencing the life-changing growth that can happen in you and the people around you. There has to be challenge. Now, we all need people to support us. Man, we need people who will just put their arm around us and say, you're awesome. Man, we need people in our corner who can be our cheerleader, people who will tell us the things that, man, we just need to help pick us up and lift us up on a bad day. Man, we need people around us who will support us, but we need people who know us who will challenge us. We need people who know us, know who we want to become, because there's somebody you want to be. Man, there's a dream for your life. There's a purpose you want to accomplish, and we need people to come alongside to push us and help us to get there. And it has to be people that know us. Man, we need people that will challenge us. Like for some of you, that person may be your spouse. Anybody have a spouse who challenges you to be better? Anybody have a spouse that challenges you to a fight? Go see Jason, okay? Right, you have a spouse that will challenge you to be better. Like I can't imagine where I'd be without my wife. Like can't imagine. Can't imagine where I'd be without some of the guys on staff. Like, we, we, we have this regular rhythm of support and challenge. So, for instance, 
After the 9.30 service, after whoever speaking speaks, we have a debrief meeting for a few minutes before the 11 o'clock. And in that meeting, what we're like, hey, this was good support. Hey, but you need to fix this. This, was, this is a challenge, right? And so every service, the 11 o'clock is always a lot better because we fix all the things from the 9.30. <laughs> but that's, we all need that in our life. We need people like that. Like, don't you want people like that in your life? Don't you want people who believe the best in you and will help you get there? And we all need these kind of people in our life who will support and challenge us. Because here's what ends up happening. You end up keeping secrets. And here's what a secret does in your life. It's like getting a splinter in your soul and it goes untreated. And it continues to abscess and get infected until eventually it leads to destruction. You know, I've had two friends in ministry who were pastors that end up having affairs and losing their, you know, losing their jobs and having to go through all that destruction in their families. And they would point it back to one of the, the small things that they stopped reading their Bible. They stopped spending time with God. They stopped hanging out with other people and kind of going through their lives. And it ended up in destruction, not just for them, but there was so much collateral damage. Like how much collateral damage are you willing to tolerate for your secrets? You know, we need people to be able to talk to, to be able to share with. Like some of you right now, you're in the middle, of, you're on the front end of an addiction. And we're going to see each other a year from now because you're going to need counseling. You have gone through a divorce and your kids are going to hate you. And right now, right now, you can nip that in the bud. And there are some of you who are just living in some secrets of maybe, maybe you've connected with someone, that old high school flame on Facebook. And you know it's wrong, but hey, it seems like it's going. And it's just innocent. I'm just window shopping. And what's going to happen is that thing is going to fester and it's going to grow into a full-blown disaster. And we don't need secrets in our life. We need to be able to share those with people. We need support and challenge and people who will help us. You know, this happened to me recently. Um, the thing about us is we need somebody to point out our blind spots. Do you know what your blind spots are? Good answer. Because that's why they're called blind spots. Joey and I were having a conversation with someone a while back, and we were kind of pointing out blind spots. And he was like, I don't think I have a blind spot there. That's the definition of a blind spot. <laughs> so we all have blind spots, and we can't see them clearly, and we need people to point them out. Like recently, I had a new pair of sunglasses, and I put them on my head, and we were driving in Debbie's car, and her car's a little smaller than my truck. And so um, we were at the, uh, going through the drive-thru at the bank. And so I, when I leaned out, man, I hit my head really hard on the car. And it just kind of smashed my new Ray-Bans across my head. And the nose piece has been out. And it was just a disaster. My head's bleeding, running down my face. Not really. That didn't happen. But um, I want to see if you're paying attention. And so, man, it, I, have to, I can't bend them back. So I have to take them to get them fixed. And so I take them back to Sunglass Hut and they fix them. And then she says, you want me to clean them for you? I'm like, not, they don't really look dirty to me, but sure. So she cleans them. I put them on my like, what in the world? Like, this is amazing. And I took these off. I'm like, here, can you clean those too? She said, $400. <laughs> um, and so she cleaned them, and I put these back on. All of a sudden, I'm like, look at all the colors. And Debbie's even more beautiful than I remembered. And I look in the mirror, and I'm even older than I thought. I could see clearer all of a sudden. And this is what friendship does for us. Man, man, it's like someone comes along and cleans off our glasses, 
helps us see the blind spots of our life, helps us when we look in the mirror to see ourselves clearer because there are times when we just get so bogged down in who we are and the things that we do and the routine of life that we need people to come along and help us be better. Listen, this is what is called discipleship. As people help us become the people that we really want to be. Man, there's connection that happens in a group. There's discipleship that happens in a group. So what do you need to do? You need to get in a group. It will make you better. It will make you better. Listen, you will always be a lesser version of yourself by yourself. You'll always be a lesser version of yourself by yourself. Then the the next phrase that we see that I want to highlight is this idea of mission. He says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Now the word for stir up literally means to jab until they respond. I don't really like that a lot. You ever somebody jabs you in the ribs, you're like, stop. You know, jabs you until you respond. Man, they poke you in the back and say, go on. They jab you until you respond. That, we're, to, we're to jab people until they respond to love and good works. Now, love is something that's hard to do, isn't it? Love is hard to do. It falls off our radar. It is a lot of work. We need people to remind us to love. And then to stir up to good works. Sometimes I would rather just watch a good TV show, wouldn't you? Rather than go and do a good work. I'm tired. I've got things going on. I'm the proverbial busy. But we need people to help us become the people that God has created us to be. You know, when Jesus sent people out, he sent them out two by two. Why did he do that? Why did he send people out two by two? It's because he knew that one, that one person may get tired. Man, one person may get discouraged. Man, one person may lose perspective. And when you have two people together... When you get a group of people together, they're able to speak life into each other. Man, I look back over my life, and I'm so grateful for the people that God has brought in my life. That at the time, I didn't even know it. At the time, you know what? Sometimes what they said made me a little mad, maybe a little defensive. But as I look back on it, they had, they had what was best in mind for me because they loved me, and they challenged me. You know, the coaches that maybe some of you had that you loved the most, they weren't the easiest on you, were they? They got in your face and yelled, probably spit a little bit. I remember in high school, I had his coach named Coach Taylor, and I had him in, in middle school, and then he got promoted to high school. I'm like, what in the world? Man, why? Don't, no, no. Mm-mm. Man, I look back on that, man. Coach Taylor would get in my face, and he would just yell at me. I, I realize that's not politically correct anymore, but it worked. <laughs> and he would yell at me, but I, he would also, after practice, man, he'd say, hey, good job, way to respond. Hey, or he'd say, hey, you got some things you need to work on if you want to play for us. And those are the kind of people that you respect, people who want to help you to get better and to keep moving down. the, It's not just enough to have friends. It's not enough just to have the holy huddle. It's not enough just to sit, soak, and sour, as we used to say. And you gotta have, you gotta be on mission. You can't just hang around holding hands and being nice to each other. And we gotta have people who are gonna spur us to move forward in life. You know, the world is hungry and thirsty for people to tell them a real story about who Jesus is. And we can tell them a lot of facts, but if they don't know us, they're not going to listen. Because the reality is facts don't always change our minds, but friendship does. Facts don't change our minds. Friendship does. And I wonder what your life will be like if you were to lean in to helping people understand who Jesus was. And you took the time to be able to have a conversation. Have you, have you ever had this happen? You get on the phone. And someone starts talking about some issue, some problem, something. 
And you know you should ask a question to go a little deeper, but you just don't want to do it. It's going to take a little, it's going to take more time than you have. It's going to take more effort than you have. Have you asked, ever asked somebody, hey, how you doing? And they actually told you. And you're like, I didn't really want to know. I was just being polite. Have you ever been in the grocery store and you're walking down the aisle and you see somebody and you hit that? <laughs> That's why you're laughing, right? I've got it perfected. I'm just being honest. But man, if we want to live on mission, if we want our lives to matter, if we want to influence other people, the reality is we have to be intentional about fighting for a relationship. What you need to do, get in a group. Get in a group. Man, well, my son had this near-fatal accident many years ago, and we were at the hospital for several months. And what got us through, what got us through was the presence of God's people. I can remember we were in a situation where we would trade off nights at the hospital staying with John. And I would go down and stay the night, then Debbie would go down and she'd stay the night. I can remember once it was my turn to be at home with my other kids. And I went back in my office and I just looked up at God and I said, I feel so alone. But then God's people showed up, people from this church, some of you. And, and they brought food, and you prayed, and you helped out, and you expressed concern. And the day we brought John home for the first time, and we're pulling into the, we're pulling into the neighborhood, there's this big sign that says, Welcome home, John, from our friends. Listen, you need friends like that in your life, and they're sitting right next to you. When John got into high school, man, he needed a friend to come alongside and to challenge him as a senior in high school. A good friend of his invited him to pause to our student retreat. And we didn't think he'd go. And John ended up going to pause, radically changed his life. I'm telling you, he's not the same kid. Why? Because a friend cared enough to challenge him and to lean into his life. You need those people. And you need to be those people. And the time is running out. You know, at the end of the book of Hebrew, uh, this particular passage, he says, he says, hey, all the more as you see the day drawing near. What that means is pick up the pace as the time's getting short. Hey, don't, don't wait. Get moving as the day draws near. You know, as I was looking at that passage this week, there was a word that I learned that I'd never heard of. It's the word chronoptimist. And the word chronoptimist literally means that you, you way, way, way underestimate how long some, something's going to take to get done. You way underestimate how long it's going to take to get ready. You way underestimate that one more thing you need to do. And guess what that means? You are always late. You're always late. And we put things off like a chronoptimist, and we underestimate the time it's going to take, and we say, we'll wait till next time. We'll wait till a better time. And the time is now. Man, the time is now. Don't wait. You don't know what's just around the corner. You don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know. Don't, don't waste your time, because time is important. Time matters time is a matter of eternity so don't wait listen we can always come up with excuses or reasons why we don't want to get in a group there's a lot of things happening in our families there's a lot of things happening at work like I'll do it later or I don't really believe that's the case you run the risk of ending up shipwrecked and alone 
and regretting the things you could have done when you had the opportunity. You know, a, a few weeks ago, um, or last, actually it was last weekend, uh, Conor McGregor was in a fight. How many of you guys know who Conor McGregor is? I'm not saying you have to like him. But he is, he, he's pretty bad in a good way. Conor McGregor wins the bout in 40 seconds. I want you to think about that. 40 seconds. He wins his uh, MMA fight, 40, USC fight, 40 seconds. Like, amazing. It feels like he didn't even need to get up, for, you know, get up early to do that. Right? You go in the ring, bam, it's over. But if you look at those 40 seconds, if you look at what was invested in those 40 seconds, what you would see is months and months of training. You would see months and months of push-ups and pull-ups and jumping rope and running and weightlifting. And so when those 40 seconds came, he was ready. He'd done the training. He'd done the homework. He knew what he needed to do. And the reality is that there are times in life where we're going to have that 40-second spot in our life and there's going to be a decision to make or a situation to handle or a tragedy to walk through. There's going to be that time that's going to happen. And if we haven't put the work in, man, we're going to be the one that gets knocked out. We're going to be the one laying flat on the mat. We're going to be the one who gets up and says, what just happened? You got to put in the time and you got to put in the training. And Conor McGregor didn't do it by himself. Man, Conor had a whole team of people He's got people to get up with him, who meet him at the gym, who move him through his exercise regimen. He's got people who wipe the sweat off his face and who bring him water and who wipe the blood off his nose when, the thing, when things don't go well. He's got a group of people who help him to be better, who point out his blind spots and point out the places where he could lose. And you need those people in your life. And you need to be those people for people whose life will be better because of you. When you think about wasting your time, whose life will be better because of you? Who will feel encouraged because of you? Who will feel challenged because of you? Who will start the next business that will be a quick hitting million dollar, multi-million dollar business and say, yeah, that was my friend who pushed me to do that? And who's going to step into that marriage and make it last 30 years? And they're going to navigate some decisions and hardships. And they're going to look and say, that's the friend who got me these 30 years down the road. Man, it can be you. It can be you. Man, three steps for today. And if you're in a group, here's what you need to do. You need to invite somebody to be in your group. You say, but our group's full. Our group's full. We don't, we don't have room for people. We want to go deep. We won't know each other very well. Thank God Jesus didn't say that. Thank God he always had place at the table. So I'm just going to challenge you on that. If you're in a group that's good, don't be selfish. Share it with somebody and make a difference. If you're not in a group, you know what you need to do? <laughs> Get in a group. Get in a group. You won't be lonely. You'll be challenged. You'll have somebody to help you move when you retire. Get in a group. And listen, at the end of all of it, if you want to disobey God and you don't want to get in a group, at least, at least go to base camp, okay? At least sign up for base camp. Listen, people love you. There are people you need to love. And listen, this is the story of, of the Bible. Man, Jesus fought for us, didn't he? 
Hey, some Christians should say amen right there. Jesus fought for us, didn't he? Jesus fought the ultimate battle. He conquered death and he gave us life. He says, I want you to take that life to give it to other people. Man, we can do no less. Let's pray together. God, it's, a, it's amazing to me that we have this dignity to have impact on other people, that we can show people who you are and there's, their eternities will change. God, that we can have people speak into our life who will help us to accomplish the purposes and the dreams that you've put in our heart. God, I just ask that in these moments you'd help us to see past uh, some of the obstacles to being in relationship with people, some of the times when people have let us down that we forgive them, some of the times people have mistreated us or been angry, and God, then they were. And we can either let it hold us back or propel us forward. We can let it make us worse friends or better friends. And so, God, I pray in these moments we would embrace that, God, just to be with people that we can breathe life into and can breathe life into us, that can spur us on to be everything you've created and called us to be, God. And and just in the spirit, just kind of settling into that, like I would just ask you, man, ask yourself, whose life is better because of you? Just ask yourself in that moment, whose life is better because of you? Man, for some of you, there are generations of people who are coming whose lives are better because of you. Because you built into people and you invested into people and it's continuing to have a trail of life change everywhere you go. And for others, you've just been a little bit worried about your own this and your own that, your own career, your own uh, things, your own relationships. And you've really never stepped out to help and to encourage other people. Today's the day, now's the time. Today is the day and now's the time. Now, for some of you, you've never experienced what it means to know deep in your soul, this, this soul-rattling, heart-shifting reality that Jesus fought for you and died for you. Like, and today is a day when you kind of, for some reason, God's opened your eyes to see that in your own life, that he fought the ultimate fight to give you the ultimate victory. And you need to follow him today with everything that you got. You need to love God today, and that's how you do it. I just want to help lead you in a prayer for that this morning. So I'm going I'm to lead you in a prayer. If that's your desire, just to experience this heart-changing faith, faith, just ask you just in your own heart, in your own words, just repeat the things, repeat after me. Dear Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I trust that Jesus came and fought for me to have freedom. And I'll give him my life. You know, as you just let that settle, and let it settle, let it soak into your heart and your soul this morning. And as you do that, one of the ways that you can just make it come real for you is just to take the step I'm going to ask you to take. Just in your seat, right where you are, something we do every single week, and every week we have people do this. Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand in the air. And you're raising your hand in the air as, a, as, as just a symbol of victory. Just making a stake in the ground, marking the moment today that you are different, that you're changed, and you're going to pursue God. On the count of three, just lift your, if you prayed that prayer after me, just lift your hand in the air. One, two, three. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. So God, we want to be a people that makes faith come true, that makes Jesus come true and real in other people's lives. God, we don't want our lives to be less than, we want it to be more than, and we know that comes through pursuing you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.